Welcome to Macintosh and Mod Haven't Seen What, the podcast where we make each other watch movies we should have already seen. I'm Diana. And I'm David. And today we're talking about the 64th Academy Award. 1992's Oscar ceremony for the films of 1991. Live from the Dorothy Chandler Pavilion on March 30th, the theme pure joy of the movies this is a boring oscars not thing really did feel that way so here's the problem we aren't seeing it in real time we're seeing the choppy clips of it sure and i think it broke up the rhythm and the routine of it all Mm -hmm. because i remember billy crystal being better than this yeah and his jokes aren't great well they certainly don't uh Hold up to today's scrutiny. That's definitely a problem. Yeah, they don't age well, but I think the bigger problem is like, I think we forget how topical Billy was. Mm-hmm. And so some of them don't age well in terms of like side eyeing the content, but some of them don't age well in terms of like, nobody knows what the fuck that means anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, it, at least a decent chunk of the monologue was dedicated to Orion Pictures bankruptcy. Mm-hmm. And business was great despite the terrible recession that's hit everybody. Take a great studio like Orion. A few years back, Orion released Platoon. It wins Best Picture. Amadeus, Best Picture. Last year, they released Dances with Wolves. It wins Best Picture. This year, Silence of the Lambs, nominated for Best Picture. And they can't afford to have another hit. <laughs> but there's good news and bad news. The good news is Orion was just purchased, and the bad news is it was bought by the House of Representatives. <laughs> And, like, I had to go look up what the fucking deal was with Orion to be like, wait, why is this a big deal? And it's because Silence of the Lambs was an Orion picture and was essentially the last big Orion movie to come out before they went into bankruptcy. Mm-hmm. So, like, it was, a, it was a huge topic of the night. But um, I think we forget just how much Billy, like, really played to the audience, I think to his detriment. Well, in the moment, that's good. You want to, yeah. you want to, you, you're playing to both. The, he was very good at playing to both the people in the room. It's a very grumpy group of people. And then the people at home. The thing about the Oscars that sucks is that there are very few people in that room that have a good sense of humor about themselves. It's gotten better. It has because that's part of the game. Nobody wants to be seen as having a, being a bad sport on TV. But it's just changed. A, it, it's just barely changed. You know, the Emmys, a little more playful. Golden Globes, everybody's drunk. And then you get Ricky Gervais to light everything on fire. And it's he just, just looks it's, like an asshole. It's a weird gig. And the Tonys is the only one that ever plays very, very well. Because all these people understand doing shit live. Yeah. And nobody at these other ones really gets that very well. And, you know, we know Billy happened to be not on his best that day. Yeah, the initial opening act was supposed to be him doing a bungee jump entrance to the stage. But not only insurance costs, but him coming down with the flu Mm -hmm. right before the ceremony scrapped the idea. So, yes, this is uh, Billy Crystal's flu game, and it's not as impressive as Michael Jordan. (laughs) No. It just, it all kind of lands a little flat. It's okay, I guess. I mean, you know, I can't be mad about it. Yeah, but I can't be bored by it. Yes, we were definitely bored by it. Ugh. All right, well, one big piece of trivia and, and something that was going on outside of the ceremony 
was that this year was a uh, giant, there was giant protests from LGBTQ plus groups like Queer Nation and Out in Film. Uh, they were complaining regarding derogatory or unflattering portrayals, such as those in Silence of the Lambs, which mm-hmm. we talked about, and it's complicated. Sure. JFK, which was flat out homophobic. Yes. And the upcoming Basic Instinct. Oh, okay. Which was such a lesbian trope fest. Queer Nation spokesman Rick Wilson stated they would, quote, stop cars from getting to the Oscars. It'll be a Stalin. And they promised disruptions inside the theater. Uh, producer Gil Cates stated he welcomed protests outside of the venue, but that anything happened during the ceremony would be immediately cut to commercial. Security was more strict the previous year, but they would be prepared for protests. This gives us a little bit of context for one later presenter, Richard Gere. Yeah. Who chose his time to mildly but firmly make a statement in support of AIDS victims. Yeah. And protesters did appear outside the ceremony. They had signs that said, stop Hollywood's homophobia and Hollywood stop censoring our true queer lives. And during John Candy's introduction of the best song from Hook, an audience member began to shout AIDS statistics. They did cut away from it, so nobody ever saw it on the broadcast. Mm. But this was a loaded time in American politics. Yeah, I I noticed we you know when we got the little clips of the the red carpet and I noticed the the red ribbons mm-hmm. and I I remember distinctly when I started noticing those as a kid being like what's that for and asking about it and just being like, oh well that's for AIDS and I was like okay it's like support like I didn't understand what the ribbons were for yeah um and I was not told very positive information um. But watching was like, oh, is this the first year they started? Like, that became the thing? I think it was in direct response to all the uh, the crowds being like, you're going to fucking put up or shut up, Hollywood. No, well, that's fair. And, you know, I th- between that and ACT UP making their voices known and shouting down the CDC and everybody who was just ignoring the AIDS crisis, like, mm-hmm. this was a big moment for that. Yeah. So, um... I appreciate the call-outs, especially for JFK and, to a lesser extent, silence. But, uh, you know, otherwise, they kept it really fucking boring. So let's just go ahead and go through it, shall we? Okay. Uh, We start with Best Supporting Actor, presented by Whoopi Goldberg. Tommy Lee Jones. The nominees were Tommy Lee Jones for JFK. Mm-hmm. Harvey Keitel as Mickey Cohen and Bugsy. Ben Kingsley as Meyer Lansky and Bugsy. Michael Lerner from Barton Fink. But the winner is Jack Palance as Curly from City Slickers. That is so fucking weird to me. I fucking love City Slickers. Love that movie. Love it. I specifically ordered it on VHS when I was in college because for some reason we wanted to watch it and nobody had it. So I was like, fuck it, I'll order it. And we watched that a lot in my dorm room. Without being there, I can't judge the who was like leading in the horse race mm-hmm. like i'd have to dig but to me from what we watched it would have been a toss-up between harvey or ben kingsley yeah those were the two most impressive performances we saw from supporting actors yes then i would have given it to harvey well but if that was the case then mm-hmm. i could see a split ticket and jack palance winning sure. the we want the old guy to finally get his nut <laughs> which it happens cool good for you like I can't be mad about it, but it just feels weird. On the other hand, it gave Billy all the fuel he needed for the rest of the ceremony, because holy shit, that acceptance speech. 
Oh, yeah. I mean, he does the the push-up. Like, I mean, again, give the old dude his due. It's nothing really. As far as the two-handed push-ups are concerned, you can do that all night. And it doesn't make any difference whether she's there or not. Because... <laughs> and besides, it's a hell of a lot less expensive. Wow. <laughs> you know, a long time ago, 1949, uh, first picture, 1949, first film. I've been shooting about two weeks, and uh, the producer came to me and he said, Jack, my name at that time was Vladimir, but he called me Jack. Uh, he says, Jack, you're going to win the Academy Award. Can you believe it? 42 years later, he was right. How <laughs> this son of a bitch knew. Thank you. I remember the one-handed push-ups. I do not remember the raunchiness. Oh, yeah. That guy is dirty. That speech was dirty. But that was the gift that kept on giving because Billy was like, you know, I was in every scene with him. Um, <laughs> you know, didn't thank me. Um, and then just like Jack Palance is now doing, you know, water skiing downstairs. Like he's just... <laughs> He just kept joking about like Jack's like proving that he he can do it. He's not going to die tomorrow. It was it, yeah, <laughs> it, was, it was very entertaining. It's sad that that is the most memorable moment from this Oscars. You know what? It's better than what was the most memorable thing of the last year. In any case, uh, we get the beautiful Kathleen Turner to introduce Bugsy as mm. the nominee. Cool. Then best makeup with the. Oddest pair I've ever seen, Rebecca De Mornay and Christopher Lloyd. Yeah, that's that's weird. What? <laughs> Look, sometimes they get some odd couples. This is the weirdest I've ever seen on TV. Mm -hmm. The nominees were Hook, Star Trek Sixth Undiscovered Country, and the winner, Terminator 2 Judgment Day. It's a Stan Winston joint. Stan Winston and Jeff Dawn. Come on. Mm -hmm. It's the Creature Features and it's Terminator 2. We did not get to see this, but Angela Lansbury presented performances of Belle and Be Our Guest by Paige O'Hara, Richard White, and Jerry Orbach. Oh, aww. Yeah, I know. It wasn't, it wasn't in the clips. I would have loved to watch that. And we jump over to Best Supporting Actress by Joe Pesci. Mm -hmm. He gets a little anger Joe Pesci in for fun. Sure. The nominees were Diane Ladd as the mother from Rambling Rose, a movie we did not see because it involves a pedophilia plot. No, thank you. Yeah. Uh, Juliette Lewis is Danielle Bowden for Cape Fear. Tremendous. Kate mm -hmm. Nelligan is Lila Wingo Newberry in The Prince of Tides. Whatever. <laughs> Jessica Tandy as Virginia Ninny Threadgood in Fried Green Tomatoes. But the winner is Mercedes Rule as Anne Napolitano in The Fisher King. You're great. It is hard for me to pick between her and Juliette Lewis, though. It's real hard. That's fair. Because Juliet is just as good. And to know that she improved a lot of that with De Niro. Sure. Um, I just, Mercedes Rule was the classic just so real, mm -hmm. especially in such a fantastical movie. She is so grounding for that film. Yeah. That not having that performance would have been the detriment to everything else in that film. And I think, I don't think the same can be said of Juliet Lewis's. It was fabulous. It was great. But if it had been lesser, it wouldn't have impacted the rest of the film. It's true. Yeah. And like, 
not shitting on Juliet Lewis, like her nomination was 100% fair. But that character, that position, it doesn't have to be a show stopping. It just happened to be as well. And, yeah, and that's, that's great. Right. No, this is, I mean, you've got Robin going crazy all over the place, and you've got Jeff Bridges being on a razor's edge the entire time. Mm -hmm. Mercedes Rule has to be the normal person in every scene. Yep. All right, we get Best Art Direction with Annette Benning, the recently married Annette Benning, which they made sure to tell us constantly. I mean... It was, it's a big fucking deal. A young up-and-coming movie star married one of the great biggest movie stars of all time. Yes. <laughs> They're a power couple. Oh, yes. So the nominees were Barton Fink, great. Fisher King, also great. Hook, amazing. Mm -hmm. Prince of Tides, what the fuck is that movie doing in this category? I know, right? <laughs> but the winner is Bugsy. Barf. Man, this should have gone to Barton Fink or Fisher King. Barton Fink. Actually, Barton Fink or Hook. The thing about Hook is like, oh, it's so playful and amazing, but Barton Fink, it's like the art direction is such an integral character to the mm -hmm. movie. Yeah. Like, really, that's where this movie wasn't going to get anything else. You know, it was there because it was the Palm Door winner, but it should have gotten this award. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we get a really fun moment for the Thalberg Memorial Award, which is not presented every year, but Steven comes up to present... Steven Spielberg, and he presents it to his really good friend, George Lucas. It's a really sweet moment. Like, it's really cool. And one of the cool parts, we, we fast forwarded because George is George and he's not the most interesting person. But the crew of the space shuttle Atlantis gathered on board on camera to share their thoughts with George and they had their own Oscar statuette with them. That's very cute. They were, however, filmed three days earlier because of safety concerns of trying to live broadcast. Yeah, it's not like it is today, where it's just like, turn it on, okay. But that that's really fucking cool. Yeah. Like, I like it. We missed all the musical performances, which is annoying, but Nicole Kidman presented Brian Adams performing Everything I Do, I Do It For You from Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. So weird. Which is not a song I thought was from a movie. Same. I had no idea, but I've also never seen Prince of Thieves, so there you go. Mm, I've seen bits of it. Um, then we get two of the hottest people in Hollywood for sound effects editing with Antonio Banderas and Sharon Stone. Mm -hmm. Damn. And this is Antonio with his long hair. Yeah. Mm. Uh, Backdraft, Star Trek VI were nominated, but of course it goes to Terminator 2, Judgment Day. Uh, Denzel Washington is trotted out to present the JFK Best Picture segment. Why? Okay. Ugh, hate that movie. But that leads straight into best editing with Gina Davis and Susan Sarandon, who are very funny. Mm -hmm. They get a funny bit about the ending of Thelma and Louise, and they're also great women. And their skilled hands often rest the fate of an entire movie. That's true. Like in our film, Thelma and Louise, the way the final scene was edited, the, uh, it was sort of left ambiguous what really happened to us in the end. Ambiguous, Gina. Our T-Bird went off the edge of the Grand Canyon that's, well, it's not exactly ambiguous. Well, nobody saw us land, did they? Well, no. <laughs> nobody saw us land. It was a freeze frame on the car, but the car actually, I mean, people, what did you think people thought happened? Well, uh, we could have grabbed onto something or, uh, or uh, no, we were going fast. Maybe we made it to the other side. <laughs> oh, Susan, if we didn't survive the crash, there's no sequel. We could have bounced. There you go. Actually. All right. Thank you. 
All right, so now that we've settled that, the film editors nominated this year. The nominees for editing were The Commitments, The Silence of the Lambs, Terminator 2, Judgment Day, Thelma and Louise, but the winner and honestly earned JFK. Okay. Is the editing great? No. But did those editors have the greatest task in movie history by cutting a hundred and something hours of footage into a film? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's frenetic. It's wild. But like I said, I hate a lot about that movie, but the the reenactment sequences are pretty amazing to watch. Mm. And it's all the editing. We're not going to talk about the awards, but we did get the fun of Dana Carvey and Mike Myers presenting Best Live Action Short. Oh, it was so precious. Just That definitely took me back. They weren't doing Wayne's World. They were just doing them being dorks, which was very so. Yes. Which is really what Wayne's World was more than anything else. And they kept it short. They did. They see. They know. They know when to like go. Wow! Here we are at the Academy Awards. How exciting! Yeah, very exciting. Well, <laughs> it's pretty tingly all over. <laughs> Imagine, you know, this time next year. You know, think about it, Mike. I mean, we could be standing right here accepting, you know, I mean, an Oscar for uh, for best movie. Not. Okay, Okay. that's our shtick. Now, the nominees for a live-action short film... We also got the animated short presentation from Bell, Beast, and Chip on stage. Which was bizarre, but cool. It was the first time they'd done that. They've they've gone back to that well occasionally for the animated feature. Which is fine. Demi Moore presented costume design. The two movies that were nominated here, Barton Fink, Bugsy won, which... Really? Because our other, The Addams Family, Hook, and Madame Bovary were nominated. Mm. The Addams Family was nominated for costume. Once again, let me say, The Addams Family. (laughs) Come on, people. (laughs) See, this is is when I start, I I knew it started making me mad. (laughs) Because, no. The awards go downhill from here. Again, John Candy prevented the performance of When You're Alone. We skipped also past Tom Hanks did the Technical Achievement Oscars, which he's a fun host for technical awards. Great stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, we didn't watch this segment, but at some point I do. Spike Lee and John Singleton presented Best Documentary, mm. which is a really cool statement of like Spike Lee's the up-and-comer from the, the East Coast, John Singleton from LA, to big powerhouse black filmmakers. Like This is a cool moment. Richard Gere comes up for cinematography and reminds us of what's actually important in life for a moment. Thank you. Yeah, hi there. I just wanted to remind you again what this meant here, this, this red ribbon is in sympathy of AIDS victims all over the world. And since this is going to countries all over the world, I think an appropriate thing to think about is what can you do about it, which is uh, in these day and age when, when defense budgets are shrinking, we could take some of that defense money and put it into AIDS research. I think we do it in our own country. So you can actually call and write your congressman and senator, and they do listen if they get that note from you, so please send it. Uh, films can be made without script. Nominated are The Adams Family, Barton Fink, Hook, Madame Bovary, but the winner is Bugsy. All right. Are you happy about this? Do you, do you like this cinematography? No. <laughs> no. It looks fine. It looks nice. But it didn't do anything interesting or extraordinary, so I would have given it to Barton Fink. Maybe it looked better on a big screen. Maybe. That's the only thing I can think about this fucking movie. I don't 
Fair. Visual effects went to Terminator 2. Fair. Are any of us shocked? No. We have best original score. Patrick Swayze presented a special dance number for best original score nominees. was kind of cute. It was uh, choreographed by Debbie Allen, and it is the most 90s thing I've ever seen in my life. It really did, but I, I was really happy that Debbie Allen did it because that meant we got to see dancers of color. This is true. Um, it wasn't a bunch of white people doing ballroom bullshit. It was just also, well, that's a thing that happens. Oh, wow, that was bizarre. <laughs> yes. So our original score nominees were Bugsy, The Fisher King, JFK, The Prince of Tides, and the winner goes to Beauty and the Beast. Not mad. This is Beauty and the fucking Beast. It's Alan fucking Menken, and it's legendary, and it changed what we thought about Disney, Disney scores forever. Well, that, but just that film also changed what a fairy tale animated film could be. It yeah. changed people's opinions of like, oh, it doesn't have to be silliness. It's it can it can do other things. And Bugsy Bugsy's score was actually really good. It's Morricone, mm-hmm. and he doesn't do crap. Yeah, I kind of like the Fisher King, but I, I, give it. It's Alan Menken. Mm-hmm. Audrey Hepburn presented an honorary Oscar to the legendary Indian director Satyajit Ray. His movies were the direct inspiration for the Darjeeling Limited. Oh, okay. They considered having Mother Teresa present, but, oh, but no. they then decided it might be uncomfortable for her to do that, so they opted not to. That was correct. Audrey Hepburn's a great choice. Yes. Legendary actress who also represents the international influence into Hollywood. Well, she, she in her, her later years, she was a huge philanthropist, so mm, that yeah, too. that's perfect. Okay. It's perfect. Right. We didn't get this, but John Lithgow presented Silence of the Lambs for Best Picture. That? is hilarious that's the best choice ever (laughs) i am proud of them i like that's very prescient i love it presenting best original and adapted screenplay robert duvall and angelica houston cool we start with original screenplay we get john singleton for boys in the hood great james toback for bugsy why throw it in the garbage Mm -hmm. richard legravenese for the fisher king outstanding yep lawrence kasdan and meg kasdan for grand canyon a film we did not watch for this series but mm-hmm. i've always been curious about but the winner is callie Curry for thelma and louise that's cool it's cool i am mad it's not without its faults sure but it's a really cool moment <laughs> it should it could like that or boys in the hood yeah that's what it should have been and you know what a story about an underrepresented neighborhood story about two women mm-hmm. like either way underrepresented in hollywood at the moment does get some recognition i like seeing more diversity in these categories the other thing is curry's story is just great right like she'd mm-hmm. written this movie back in the 80s she'd just done it in this insp- fit of inspiration and working office jobs and whatever mm-hmm. and finally somebody took notice and got it made and it was a hit mm-hmm. that's a cool story and that I think that makes it just as just as good. And I think, you know, Singleton's story would have been just as prescient. Yeah. The kid from the L.A. projects who got to USC film school and finally decided to tell his story. Like, also a great, a great part. The adapted screenplays. Europa, Europa, Agnieszka Holland. Fried Green Tomatoes by Fanny Flagg and Carol Sobieski. Mm-hmm. JFK by Oliver Stone. The Prince of Tides by Pat Conroy and Becky Johnston. And... Mm-hmm. And Barbara Streisand. 
But the winner is Ted Talley for The Silence of the Lambs. Here we go. Mm-hmm. Look, we alluded to it this whole time. We didn't say it, but come on. <laughs> you know. Everybody knows that there are three movies that have swept every category of the Oscars in we've Oscars got, history. We've gotten the crown. <laughs> and we, we, I don't remember the 30s one. There was like one way back when. Mm-hmm. I think it's happened one night. I'll have to look this up. Somebody's going to scream at us for it. But we also had One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, which mm-hmm. we watched for the series. Loved that. And we have Silence of the Lambs. Now, here's the fun part is where we go. Did they get it right? And on this one, absolutely. Oh, my God. <laughs> on this one, I think they got it right. Agreed. Fried Green Tomatoes is the only other film here that could compete. Agreed. And I feel like Silence of the Lambs is so groundbreaking mm-hmm. in taking a horror movie and bringing it to a high level. Oh, agreed. Like, Ted Talley did a masterful job here. And granted, a lot of this is really just celebrating the great story Thomas Harris came up with. Mm-hmm. But I think Talley did a great job of translating it for the screen in a way where it was still shocking, but it wasn't gratuitous and it wasn't off-putting. Mm-hmm. It sucks you into it. And that's a magic trick. So I think they made the right choice on this category for sure. Mm. Next up, Kathy Bates, the best actress from the previous year, comes up to deliver the award for best actor. I love this. Mm. Nominated are Warren Beatty for Bugsy Siegel in Bugsy. Mm-hmm. Robert De Niro for Max Cady in Cape Fear. Mm-hmm. Nick Nolte for Tom Wingo in The Prince of Tides. Robin Williams as Henry Perry Sagan in The Fisher King. Mm-hmm. And the winner is Anthony Hopkins as Hannibal Lecter in The Silence of the Lambs. At just 25 minutes of screen time, his performance was the second shortest in Oscars history to win Best Actor. David Niven won for 23 minutes and 39 seconds of screen time in the film Separate Tables. But by film run percentage, Hopkins still gets the shortest. He is only in 21% of this film. Mm Mm-hmm. And yet, his presence looms over the entire fucking thing. Yep. This is hard. All five of these dudes gave really good performances. Oh, yeah. Even Beatty. Even Beatty. It's a good category. Now, Warren gets thrown out because the movie's bad and he's not great. He's just good. Mm-hmm. All right. So he's not, he's not in the conversation. Other three dudes, though. Robin's heartbreaking. Like, this is one of his first movies where he wasn't just funny and manic. Mm-hmm. He was also gut-punching, heartbreaking. And so that that's one level. You've got Nick Nolte doing the amazing, just deep internal work. Mm-hmm. And you've got De Niro going fucking all out. Yeah. And I don't know, man. <laughs> the thing is, it always comes back to whose performance sticks with you that you will never forget. It's him. Yeah, it's him. And it's not just because he's playing a creepy serial killer because we have uh, like we have like this year. Nobody's playing a horror character in this yeah. year. But there those some of those performances will stick with you. That's just, uh, that that's just what it is. His happens to be the creepy one. Yeah, I, I think they got it right. Mm. It, you know, and, and I think about the the one nomination that didn't happen here. And man, I'm I'm mad about it. And I think it comes back to we had kind of a weaker supporting actor category. 
Ted Levine should have fucking gotten nominated. Mm, I could see that. Like, James Gum is incredible. Mm-hmm. His performance in that role is terrifying, shocking, disturbing, but also just amazingly done. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he didn't get nominated over, like, Jack Palance or fucking Michael Lerner in Barton Fink, who's very funny, but he doesn't have nearly the same impact. No. So, like, I, I wish he'd have gotten nominated, and I know mm-hmm. he never would have been put in for Best Actor, because that's Anthony Hopkins here. The problem is, is I could sit here and I could argue for any one of these guys. I think Nick is out the door, because, like, it's all very internal, and it's one of those, like, actors get it, but I don't know that the rest of the Academy would. Mm-hmm. So I feel like the only person who could really beat him here is probably De Niro, mm-hmm. because of just how not De Niro he is in this movie. Sure. But yeah, you pro- they probably got it right. They probably got it right with Hopkins. I think they did. Yeah. All right. Then we get maybe the funniest moment of the night, low key, when Shirley MacLaine and Liza Minnelli come out to present Best Original Song. Mm-hmm. Thank you. We've now heard and seen all five of the selected nominations for Original Score. They have all come from three different films, um, but each of those films has something in common. They made a lot of money. Something else. Well, they all deal with romantic subjects. Something else. We weren't in any of them? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So, Liza, why don't you and I and some other real-life human beings next year get together and make a musical of our own? All right. Yes. You know, we should get that other buddy of ours. I mean, you know, the singer, the actress. That girl over there, the funny girl. The director. Right. The director that we, we would most work like with. to work with. <laughs> Some other life. Now. <laughs> and they make a fun joke with Barbara Streisand. Yes. And honor Barbara, and Barbara gives them all the smooches for it. Yes. Which, honestly, this was a lady power moment I really appreciated. Yes, it it was very cute. (laughs) Yes. So our nominees are Be Our Guest from Beauty and the Beast, Mm -hmm. Belle from Beauty and the Beast, Everything I Do, I Do It For You from Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, When You're Alone from Hook, but the winner was Beauty and the Beast. From Beauty and the Beast. Fucking course. <laughs> it, was, it was the surefire hit. The music is by Alan Menken, but the beautiful part are the lyrics from Howard Ashman, who the award is accepted by his partner because he is the first Oscar winner to have died from AIDS and to be awarded it posthumously. Mm. It's a beautiful little moment, I think, mostly, mostly in that it's a statement made without needing to make a statement. Mm-hmm. And his partner does this great acceptance of like, this is this is real people. Like that's really his whole point. This is a thing that affects real people on the ground in real life, and we need to pay attention to that. Mm-hmm. You know, Howard was so excited to make this and went through incredible difficulty, but look at what he achieved. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's the tearjerker moment of the night for sure, but it's very very good. All right, we go to Best Actress presented by Michael Douglas. Looking suave as and Michael Douglas as ever. Mm-hmm. 
The nominees are Gina Davis as Thelma Dickinson and Thelma and Louise, Susan Sarandon as Louise Sawyer and Thelma and Louise, Laura Dern as Rose and Rambling Rose. Again, yuck. Not Laura Dern, by the way. She's not yuck. The movie, though. Barf. Mm-hmm. Yes. Bette Midler as Dixie Leonard in For the Boys. I don't know. The winner is Jodie Foster as Clarice Starling in Silence of the Lambs. At 29, she becomes the second youngest actress to win two Oscars behind Louise Rayner. She won in 1936 for The Great Ziegfeld and 1937 for The Good Earth. Mm. Holy shit. I mean, Jodie fucking Foster. The best actor category is debatable for me, partly because of the length of time Hopkins is on screen and partly because of the strength of the other nominees. Gina and Susan were always going to split votes. Yep. And if I really had to pick, I would pick Gina Davis. Agreed. Not that Susan Sarandon's performance is bad, but Gina's is more impressive. Yes. But it was always Jodie Foster, and it wasn't ever not going to be Jodie Foster. Correct. She's so fucking good in that movie. Yeah, if she's not that good, you don't care. No. And, and that's, and again, that's another thing is it's, it's written that way. Like Clarice is the main character. She's yeah. it. So she has to carry the whole movie. If she is not as good as Jodie Foster is in this film, you do not care. Yeah. And, and beyond that is that she is also the reason why that movie goes from being a, a really intriguing psychological thriller to a full on drama exploration that transcends into oscar territory Mm -hmm. it's her hopkins is doing this amazing impactful thing but it would have just been this wow what an incredible movie role and he'd be playing these same bit parts forever Mm -hmm. her performance made his performance rise up enough to to get those types of awards Mm -hmm. like it's all her (laughs) um she gives a great acceptance speech she's fucking amazing god bless her she's the shit Kevin Costner presents Best Director because he won it the year before. It's so weird. It's so weird that Kevin Costner has an Oscar for Best Director. I mean, good for him. So does Mel Gibson. Exactly. Exactly. The nominees for Best Director are John Singleton for Boys in the Hood, Barry Levinson for Bugsy, Oliver Stone for JFK, Ridley Scott for Thelma and Louise. The winner is Jonathan Dem for The Silence of the Lambs. Yep. There's only one other person we could have given it to that I'd be happy about, and it's John Singleton. Yes. And honestly, he's great, but it's rough. Yeah. It's it's Jonathan Dem. The amount of detail and care he put into that movie is so clear and beyond what was needed, mm-hmm. but made it a much it, it, it made it a much more realistic, thoughtful movie because of that. Mm-hmm. Again, all the care that was put into it pushed it past being any kind of schlocky. Nobody questioned the integrity of the movie when you're watching. It, and that's what allows it to become, you know, beyond what we think here. So, yeah, mm-hmm. they got it right. They, they, I, I can't see anybody else winning this. Uh, he stammers on and on, but I think he's just really fucking excited. <laughs> just, a, just a little movie dork. That's, that's Jonathan Dem. <laughs> and finally... Paul Newman and Elizabeth Taylor up there looking gorgeous, mm-hmm. presenting best picture. Yep. The nominees were Beauty and the Beast, Bugsy, JFK, The Prince of Tides, and The Silence of the Lambs. Holy shit. <laughs> so now we've gone through this, right? The three worst movies that we watched for this series mm-hmm. were three-fifths of the best picture nominees. I know. 
Now, here is my question in retrospect. Okay. What movie should be best picture? Silence of the Lambs or Beauty and the Beast? Because this is a tough question. That is a tough question. And it's it's tough primarily because they're such different films with such different aims. And that's where we get into the like, why are we putting like cool art in this group against cool art in that group? Which is totally valid. Yeah. Which is also part of why we have a best animated feature category. Oh, for sure. And like that's where like we get into argues of can we have the best drama film and the best comedic films like no it's supposed to be what's the best of all of them what's the best one yeah and let's be very clear in 1991 this was a no-brainer because beauty and the beast was never gonna fucking win the cards were stacked too much against them with something that was just so big like silence of the lambs no one would have been okay with that yeah it was no it's, it reminds me a lot of get out and that it was just one of those things that people and and parasite too where it's just like I've never experienced this in a movie theater and I need you to go watch it. Like I need yeah. you to go experience the film. It wasn't so like the film itself is amazing, but there is the experience of going to it and then talking about it with other people and how varied those can be. And those are the two most recent experiences I've had with a, a film about like, just go see it. And like with Parasite, the conversation was the less you know about it, the better because it's amazing. Go watch it. Go watch it. Beauty of the Beast is slightly different because, you know, it's a Disney movie. It's a Disney film. It's a family film. And it's you're you getting exactly what you paid for. It yeah. just happens to resonate. And the, the level of creativity and just the cleverness of those lyrics was just to a whole other level. Like we thought we thought Mermaid was the best. And then we get Beauty and the Beast like, fuck. Yeah. Like we really stepped it up a notch here. And that's great. That's cool. But it still did exactly what everyone expected it to do. Be a great family movie with fabulous songs. It did all those things. And yet. And yet it it still was. It's definitely the cream of the crop. Like the three that everyone talks about. Mermaid, Beast, Lion. Those are the three. It's not Silence of the Lambs. It's not Silence <laughs> of the Lambs. It's just not. It doesn't. It doesn't have that reverence. It, it does with like Disney adults, which is, a, I'll be honest, a little creepy. Yeah, it's not Silence of the Lambs. I think I think Beauty and the Beast is incredible. Absolutely. It's my favorite one. What it does not do that Silence of the Lambs does is it pushes past its genre. Exactly. Because to to call Silence of the Lambs a horror film is really minimizing what it is. Yes. It's easy to say that. And we certainly do in terms of the Oscar recognized films. It's one of the few horror films that has been recognized by the Academy. But that's a cool thing. Yeah, and and it comes down to that it goes so far beyond that. It yes. is an interpersonal drama mm -hmm. that is about overcoming trauma to be able to do the thing you need to do. It's a hero's journey. It's a tragedy, mm -hmm. quote unquote, in that way. Yeah. And then it's wrapped in a horror package. Mm -hmm. And I don't, the thing is, the Academy had never seen anything like that before. Nobody had. Mm -hmm. It came down to, all of those key players, the, it winning those five awards because all of those key players brought all of their effort and talent to the roles for very different reasons. You know, mm -hmm. Jody's just like, I, I'm in love with the story. Such a strong character. Hopkins was coming in like, this is my last chance and I'm going to go for broke. Mm -hmm. And Dem was like, I'm ready to make a statement as a director. I've done a lot of work and I'm ready to like really up my game. Mm -hmm. And they just all brought everything to it. 
and it's such a good story that it's just like, man, I, I don't have a place to argue here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I feel like with Cuckoo's Nest, we kind of were like, well, maybe, I don't know. But on this one, I got I got zero arguments other than like the quibble of perhaps there was a best actor here that was better positioned. But I don't know, man. Mm-hmm. And it ends with a whimper because the producers are incredibly boring. And then Billy's like, all right, it's over. Good night. <laughs> and that was it. That was, yeah. That was 1991. I mm-hmm. wish we had a better series, better moments. Yeah. It, it, you know, it, it was an uneventful Oscar. And that's okay. Yeah. And I feel like the, the other thing was, you know, I was expecting, oh, my God, Silence of the Lambs won. But I think it had already been racking up so many awards that they were kind of like, yeah, we kind of feel like it's coming. Mm-hmm. So that, that kind of makes sense. But I will say it's pretty entertaining that it got seven nominations. It's not the biggest nominee of the night. The biggest nominee of the night is Bugsy. JFK had eight. Bugsy had ten. With good Lord. Just ridiculous. The Prince of Tides tied Silence of the Lambs for seven. Mm-hmm. Beauty and the Beast, Terminator 2, Thelma and Louise all had six. The Fisher King and Hook tied with five. Backdraft and Barton Fink tied with three. Boys in the Hood, Cape Fear, Fried Green Tomatoes, Rambling Rose, and Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country, all tied with two. Mm-hmm. And that means we are done with yet another season. Wow. It flew by. We had a lot of movies. We had a lot of a lot of long movies. We yeah, this year we had a ton of two and two plus. That 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 was hard. We picked historical movies too, you know? Yeah. But we're seeing that trend come back anyway. We're, we're getting two and a half, three hour movies. Mm-hmm. Directors want us to, to sit there through all of it. Sometimes in a good way, sometimes in a bad. And sometimes, for the love of God, just make it an hour 40. Well, until next season. Have a good movie. Thanks for listening. Be sure to review and rate us on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcast. For questions, comments, and recommendations, you can email us at macintoshandmod at gmail.com or find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook.